You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning. Today we're going to talk about Mary. Last week we started in the Gospel of Luke. and We heard about Elizabeth and Zacharias and the promise of John the Baptist. And today we're going to follow Luke as he picks up that story and he takes us to somebody named Mary who's favored by God. Now, uh, just a quick question for you. Is there any place in your life where you think you're the favorite? Any place in your life where you think you're the favorite? Whenever I get around my grandma, my grandma Leininger, um, I always think I'm the favorite whenever I'm around her. Her favorite grandson. I'm her oldest grandson, the grandson that came first. I'm the grandson that, that she helped watch over. And, and now every time I get around her, she just looks at me and she says, Now, Jason, she says, I want you to do my funeral. And I don't know if that's a, I mean, she's just been preparing for that for a long time. She's, she's always serious. And, I, and I, there's something else she's, she's always concerned about. She's concerned her funeral is going to take a long time. I said, Grandma, I said, I'll tell you what, because I'm your favorite, I'll do it. It'll be four hours long. And she just slaps me. She says, don't talk to me like that. She's like, it's not going to be that long. And, and, uh, but, you know, the reality is, is that <clears throat> probably somewhere in your life, you're the favorite. You're the favorite of somebody, a grandparent, a parent, maybe a favorite sibling. Some place you're the favorite. And there's something good and positive about that. There's probably also some place where, where you find that somebody else is favored. And there may be something in your own life where you're like, oh, I've got a little jealousy that I seem, seem to be cropping up here or there. Favoritism in families can be a blessing and it can also be a point of trouble. It can be a, a point of real challenge. And yet, the reality is, is that God seems to come alongside people, not just Mary, but alongside a lot of other people throughout the pages of Scripture, and he seems to say, you're one of my favorites. Even the, the gospel writer in the Gospel of John, when he, he writes about himself, he never tells us his name, although we think it's John. He never tells us his name within the text, but he says, I was the one that Jesus dearly loved. Well, does that mean, does that mean that Jesus didn't like the others, that he didn't love the others? No, it just simply meant that it, he knew, he knew in his own state that he was loved by God. He was one of Jesus' favorites, just like Mary was, and just like you and I are. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to take them and turn to Luke um, chapter 1, we're going to look at Luke 1, 26 through 36, and we're going to hear this story of the angel coming to Mary, and we're going to see what it means to be favored by God. What does that look like, and how does that play out in our lives? Here's what Luke writes. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel said to her, for you have found favor with God. 
You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning as we think about being favored by God, we we read in those lines that Luke gave us that Mary was favored by God. Twice Luke talks about it. The angel comes, right? The angel comes into Mary's midst, wherever Mary's at. Luke doesn't tell us where that's at, except that it's in the village of Nazareth. It's near the Sea of Galilee, but it's in a nondescript kind of place. The angel Gabriel comes, and he's sent from God with a message. Mary, you're favored by God. She's favored. One of the things Luke doesn't tell us is why Mary's favored. Why is it that Mary, this person who's a young young girl, young woman, living in this nondescript place, why is it that she finds favor with God. A number of people have begun to to look at Mary's life. They've begun to to come up with a couple of ideas. Some people, reading the fullness of the gospel, the fullness of of what Mary does and how Mary lives and how she acts, say, you know, Mary's somebody who's got a lot of virtue in her life. When the angel comes, Mary exhibits trust. Later, when they'll go to Bethlehem, Bethlehem, and then they'll go into Jerusalem, Mary exhibits the attributes of of trusting God and being somebody who's worshipful. Mary also is somebody who looks after Jesus all of the days of her life. She cares about him deeply. She's invested in his mission. And sometimes, though she doesn't quite understand him, she, she always has the ability to say, do whatever he says to do. She trusts him. Some other people have looked at Luke's story, the particular story that Luke weaves, and he's And they suggest maybe something else. That Mary is the first of a number of people who are on the outside. Typically not included in in what people of the day and what even people who who Luke would write to. Um, Mary was somebody who was on the outside. And Luke presents us a picture throughout the fullness of his gospel of Jesus coming and going to people who were typically on the outside. Some of those people considered, they looked at their lives and they considered themselves to be sinners. Or some of them, I mean, Jesus, one of the things Luke does is he puts Jesus in the midst of women. Women who were typically on the outside of what God was doing. Women just seem to to be attracted to Jesus. They come close and Jesus welcomes them. Um, Jesus also finds people in all kinds of -of out-of-the-way places and he blesses them. And so some people say, maybe... Maybe the, the Lord finds favor with Mary because she lives in this out-of-the-way out place. 
and she's a nondescript person, and she doesn't have a bunch of pedigrees or things where you say she's really important and she's going to make a difference. This last week, I was able to take in um, the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. Any of you see Bohemian Rhapsody? What a powerful film. What a lovely picture. What a tragic picture, all in the same breath. In that movie, if, if you haven't seen it, there's this one point, and it's early on in the career of Queen, when they meet with a record executive. And the record executive is trying to figure out what kind of music Queen is going to produce and who do they sing for. And, and he's asking these types of questions. And Freddie, Freddie Mercury, or the character playing him, steps up and he says, he says something like this. He said, the four of us, we're four misfits. We don't really belong to one another. But we play to other misfits. He says, we play to the people who are the outcasts, who are at the back of the room, who are pretty sure that they don't belong. And we belong to them, he says. So because we do that, it's like there's, there's a whole world full of people who feel like they don't belong, that are misfits. And so some people suggest that maybe that's why God comes to Mary. Because God wants to let all the misfits in the world, the people who wonder if they belong, he wants them to know in the person of Mary that God favors them. Well, I don't know who's right, whether it's because of Mary's virtue or whether it's because Mary belongs to the, a group of misfits. Maybe, maybe it's this. Maybe Mary is favored just like we're favored because God is somebody who favors all of us. And it's, Deep in the heart of God, the sense of grace, grace that's lived out, grace that's present, grace that shows up when you least expect it, grace that finds you in places where you're not really sure what's going on, but God shows up and he draws close to you. And he says in some form or fashion, whether it's an angel or a song or a moment, or maybe it's a word of scripture, God speaks not just into somebody else's life, but he speaks into your life. And he says, guess what? You're favored. I adore you. I cherish you. There's something I want to do. Maybe, maybe Mary isn't, I mean, in fact, in, in one place, in one way, Mary is uniquely special. But on the other hand, may, maybe Mary is the placeholder for all of us. The placeholder where we all get to hear God say, you are highly favored. And I want to have a conversation with you. Well, God's favor in Mary's life includes a baby. Do you notice that? God comes along and he sends an angel into Mary's life and he says, Mary, you're highly favored and that favor is going to turn out to be a baby. Now, I don't know what being favored with a baby would do in your life right now. Some of you may welcome it. Some of you may run from it. You're like, hey, wait a second here. Don't know that I signed up for that at, at this moment. But in Mary's world... It includes a baby. And babies are precious, babies are precious gifts from God. And every parent that I've ever encountered looks down at their baby and they think that their baby is something special. Most parents, for a long time, think that their kids are special as they're growing up. It kind of takes to that point where you're like, I don't know that I fully understand who you are, that they begin to wonder how special we are, right? But every parent values their kids and their babies. They look down on them and they go, wow, what a wonder, what a gift. 
And indeed, Mary's, Mary's baby would be a wonder and a gift. But the angel says, there's something more wonderful, more precious about this baby you're going to bear, Mary. This one that you're going to bear, his name is going to be Jesus. You're, you're meant to call him Jesus. And Mary, when, when Mary hears the word Jesus, she hears it in another language. In her, in her language, she would have heard the word Yesh, Yeshua, which would have conjured up the story of somebody else who is really important into the life of her people. It would have conjured up the story of one we call Joshua, who got to sleep in the tent of God as, as he was a partner to Moses. Who after Moses would die, Joshua would go, would go out and he would lead the people of Israel. He would be a warrior. He would be a leader. He'd be somebody who met with God and, and who led the people. And Mary hears the story that you're going to call him Jesus, which just unlocks. It's like an explosion of, of film in front of her eyes, of pictures of who Joshua was. And she begins to ask the question, do you mean like him? Is he going to be a leader? Is he going to be somebody who saves his people through founding another country, another nation? She hears this, this, this title, he's going to be one in the line of David, like a king. All of, those, all of those lines that the angel starts to speak to her begin to make her wonder about who is this one that she's going to carry, that she's going to give birth to. What is he like? In some ways, I think the angel says, yes, because he keeps reaffirming this, right? All of these old lines that are within the story of her people, he keeps saying yes to. And yet Mary, like us, has a lot out in front of her to unpack and to learn and to discern. Because when Jesus saves his people, it's not going to be by raising up an army. When Jesus saves his people, it's going to be by laying down his life and leading through the act of service and self-sacrifice. When Jesus saves his people and he saves the people of the world, it's going to be because he lives out what Isaiah talks about, where he becomes like a, a reed who is bruised. And by his stripes, by his stripes and by his sacrifice, by him going to the cross, which Mary can't see in that moment, but, but that's what the, the angel Gabriel's talking about. When Jesus goes to the cross and he lays down his life, he does it f for everybody. For you, for me, for everybody in the world who's lived and who is yet to live. Jesus gives his life and he leads in that way. Mary doesn't know it yet. And she'll, she'll hear about this a little while later. This one that she holds, this one that she bears, is going to be the savior of the world. And it's going to give her great excitement and it's going to cause her heart to break in profound ways. Mary's favor with God is a favor that is a little bit unlike most of the time when we encounter thinking about being favored. When we think about being favored, we tend to think of things like the good life. And um, here's some things in the good life, of what the good life might look like. And yet Mary's favoring by God takes on a whole different sense of reality. There, there are going to be moments in her life when she's ridiculed. And she doesn't get to live a, a life of comfort and ease, but, but on her journey she gets to ride or maybe ride on the back of a donkey. Any of you ever ridden on the back of a donkey? Riding on horses is hard. Riding on donkeys, much harder. 
It's not a pleasant ride, whether you're pregnant or not pregnant. Um, she gets to give birth in a stable outside. Most of us think about the good life as a place of safety, and her life countless times will be threatened along with the life of her son. The good life we tend to think about is a life of prosperity. And Mary's family is going to be big on a carpenter's income. You know who I think represents Mary today? Soon after, um, I guess the elections were over, there were those pictures of folks, immigrant folks, um, people who were seeking to come into this country. And remember the news story about how we, we put tear gas along the border? And those stories of mothers, or I saw a picture of a mom with a couple of young kids. I just thought about that mother. That mother is a picture of somebody who, who seeks the best for her kids, the best for her kids. And her life has not been easy. The place she's been have, has not been easy. And she looks for a better place. And she's willing to undergo all kinds of hard challenges, all kinds of hard tasks to find a place that's better for her kids. And it's not just that one picture, but there's people all over the world today that are living in those tough places. And I think about how God would like to speak into their life. How would he like to say to them, you who are living in tough places, you're favored, favored by God. And he sees, he sees you. He knows what you're going through. He sees you. Well, <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever had an angel show up in your life. I don't know if you've ever had a unique word that has appeared in your story. But Mary has those elements in her life. And Luke tells us that she does a couple of things. At the first time that the angel says you're favored, Mary seems to look up and just give a look. I don't know if you have looks that you have when somebody says something to you out of the ordinary. I guess I do. Uh, and I, I've become aware of that because people react when I give a look. I don't have to say a word, but people just, I don't know, I don't know why that happens. But maybe that happens in your life, that people recognize the fact that you have a look. But Mary has a look. When the angel says, you're favored by God. And then she just listens. And the angel unpacks his story. The angel unpacks the reality that she's going to give birth and this child is going to be special. And then Mary looks back at the angel and she says, okay, well, I have a question for you then. How in the world is this going to happen? Mary comes back to the obvious reality in the room, in the conversation. I'm a teenager. I may be 13 or 14 years old. How in the world is this going to happen? I am in a contract where I'm going to be married to a guy by the name of Joseph down the road, but it's not happening today. How in... Explain to me. Just tell me, how is this going to happen? You ever been at that place where there's like a promise? Where there's something out in the future and you don't know how in the world that is going to happen? Mary's at that place. And the angel, the angel will go back 
again into the story of the people of Israel and the angel will say, Mary, the Holy Spirit's going to come over you and it's going to dwell over, over you. And somehow in the mystery of, of that dwelling over you, you're going to become pregnant. And he'll go back, the angel will go back and he'll say, there's a line that has marked your people throughout all of their story. And it's this line, for with God, nothing is impossible. God can do all kinds of things. Sometimes when people read this story and they read about the virgin conceiving a child and giving birth, they go, ah, that's a cute story. I don't have to believe everything, do I? I don't have to believe the fact that she was a virgin who gave birth. Well, I don't know. Are there all kinds of things in your own life, in your own story that you think that are impossible to happen and yet they still do in some form or fashion? I think there's all kinds of elements that are impossible that we encounter every day. All kinds of challenges that we come up against and yet somehow things happen. Is God not powerful enough? Is God not strong enough, I would say? Are there not elements in your own life that reveal that God can make a baby appear in the womb of a virgin. I think he can. And I think in some form or fashion, in God's favor that he extends towards us, when God speaks towards us, there's all kinds of things that are going to come along in our road of following after him that we think, ah, oh, that's not possible. I don't see how that's going to happen. A couple of months ago, I was privileged to go to Chicago and one of the places that I visited in Chicago is a, is a ministry kind of on the west side called New Moms. Now, now, New Moms is not necessarily the name that, sort of, that reaches out and gets your attention. It doesn't grab you. When I first heard about New Moms, I was like, they need somebody in marketing to help them out. Like, they need some help to tell you more what they're about. But, but after I heard their story, I began to understand New Moms was part of their passion, part of their deep rootedness. Uh, this is a picture of what New Moms looks like today, and they've got some fantastic things going on. In those two buildings, they house about 40 young moms and their babies. Some of the young moms come to them while they're pregnant, and sometimes they come to them after they've given birth. They get two years to live in this place, and it's a, uh, some HUD-subsidized housing. They get two years to live in this place, and then down in the lower section that you see there, there are things like, there's all kinds of classrooms and there's some, some other um, considerable help that are given to the moms that live in that place. And it was a real joy to think about some of our own community impact ministries here that we have at Schweitzer and how they're like just little plants compared to what New Moms is like in this moment. But as we, as we interacted with some of the staff at New Moms, Obviously, we could see the things that were present today. They took us back in their own story, in their own history, to 35 years before we were there, to a lady by the name of Ellen, who was driving around in her, in her community in Chicago, and she began to notice that there were all these young moms pushing, um, pushing and holding their little kids, pushing their kids in carriages and holding their kids on street corners in her community in Chicago. And they didn't seem like they were thriving at all. They were floundering. And she began to be concerned about what was happening with these moms. And so she began to put stuff for, 
for mothers and babies in the trunk of her car. And she would drive around in her community because the Lord just kind of began to put this burden on her. Like you need to, when you see something, you need to do something. And so, so she had blankets and she had baby bottles and she had formula in the trunk of her car. And when she'd see somebody, she'd stop and she'd get out and she'd begin to ask questions. And they'd tell her a little bit of her story and she'd, she'd hand out blankets or bottles or, or formula or diapers, whatever they needed. And then she noticed that there was a hospital in, in her community. And, and so she went to the hospital and she said, is there, is there something I'm doing? I could, I'm doing a little bit out here on the streets, but is there something more that I could do? And they said, yes, there is. In fact, she, they, they told Ellen that our social workers are really concerned because we have these women who come in and they give birth. And yet we've been told by the hospital that we can't go out and make follow-up calls. And so it's not long before these moms, they go out on the street or they go out to their apartment and then they come back in and their kids are floundering and they're floundering. We wish there was something that we can do. And Ellen's like, well, what can I do? And they said, you want to do something simple and powerful? Start visiting these moms. We'll give you the names. You just go visit them after they've given birth. And so she did. And so out of that, Ellen's just like asking the question, Lord, what's the next step? And the Lord kept opening doors. What's the next step? And there was something new. Lord, she's like, I'm not a social worker. And the Lord's like, okay, but there's something you can do. There's always a next step. New moms, this big ministry today, impacting 40 different moms and their kids and the story of their family started off just as this one woman noticing the needs that were in her neighborhood and beginning to ask the question, what can I do? And when the Holy Spirit hovered over Ellen and God's powerful finger began to work in her life and in the lives of people around her, this, this ministry took shape and took form. And it's transforming a neighborhood. Sometimes God comes along to us and he speaks to us, especially those of us who've traveled with him for a long time. He begins to say, I've got a vision, I've got a plan, I want you to be a part of it. And you're like, how in the world is that going to happen? Maybe it's okay to ask the question, how? But listen to this line that's as old as, as Abraham. Listen to this line that flows throughout the Old Testament and comes to Mary. And it says, with God, nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. And so that's what the angel says to Mary. He says, Mary, you're favored by God. You're going to have a baby. I don't know how it's going to happen. The angel doesn't even know how it's going to happen other than the fact that God is going to bring it about. And so that brings Mary to a place of decision. You know, Mary, like the rest of us, Mary doesn't have to say yes. You know that Mary could have said no. She could have said too much. No thanks. Don't think I want to be involved here. I've got some other things I'd rather do. We can say that to God as well. We can say no thank you. We can turn down grace. And yet Mary in that moment says, I'm the Lord's servant. Do with me everything that you've said. 
unpack it fully in my life. This morning, I've got a couple of questions for you. Has the Lord in some form or fashion ever come to you and said, you are highly favored? Has God ever begun to unpack his will and his plan for your life? If he's done that, how have you responded? You said yes, like Mary. Or maybe you've walked with God for a long time. Maybe there's something new. Maybe that question that's up there that you could ask God about, maybe that's something you'd want to take up and ask. Or maybe there's this thing down here where you can ask yourself, am I like Mary if God comes to me? Are my priorities lined up so that God can use me? Am I living Am I living in the favor of God? In just a moment, we're going to come to this table. And it's a table that's open to all of us. It's a table where we hear about Jesus breaking the bread and blessing the wine and sharing it with his friends, his disciples. It's a table where We hear again the story of how he laid down his life for us and for the world. But these gifts, these elements, are also signs to us of God's blessing, of God's tender care, of God's presence in the midst of the life that we're living right now. And as we come to this table, I'd like for you to ponder a couple of other questions Because Mary goes off and she ponders these things that the angel says to her. She ponders them in her heart. Maybe there's some things that have been happening in your life that you need a quiet place to ponder over. And you just need to come and receive these elements this morning and be reminded that you are somebody who's favored by God. But in the midst of the hustle and bustle of Christmas time, you need to find a place that's tender and quiet, a place where you can wonder about what God is saying and stirring up in your life. Or maybe this morning, as you come and you receive these elements, you're reminded that you are somebody that's favored by God. But God has been speaking into your life in such a form or fashion that you need to do what Mary does. And she goes and she talks, at some point she goes and she talks to her cousin Elizabeth She's like, help me make sense of this. Maybe, maybe you need to find somebody that you can draw close to. And you can say, here's what's happening. Help me understand it. Whatever place you're in, know that this morning as we come to these elements, that Mary's favored by God, and so are you. So are we all. Kind Father, thank you for these gifts of bread and wine. Help them be for us. Make them be for us. The body and blood of Christ. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon them and upon us that we will know in the depths of your heart, in our hearts, that we are people who are favored by you. And help us in those places where you invite us to walk with bold faith and fresh faith. Help us to walk with joy 
and life. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.